Hello everyone, welcome to another fantastic edition of This Is What Sleep Deprivation Looks Like, otherwise known as the Cybersecurity Matters Podcast. Uh, joining me as always is my sleep-deprived co-host, Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? Well, you're right. I'm sleep-deprived. <laughs> you read it. And I know that you are too. Uh, yeah, we're both sleep-deprived. Like I said, you can see what it does to <laughs> two good-looking individuals like us. <laughs> Other than that, are you doing okay? I'm doing okay. Um, but um, yeah, it's always good to be here on the podcast. Awesome. So who's our guest today? That is a very, very good question. Joining us today is Casey Curtin of Sandler Training. Uh, she's a fantastically interesting person. I'm sure she's going to impart a lot of interesting insight and wisdom around sales training. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's go and talk about sales with Casey. All right, Casey from Fresno, California. Welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Our pleasure. So first of all, a little bit of background before we really dive into the meat and potatoes about sales here, hopefully. Uh, Sandler Training, what do you guys do? So Sandler Training is a sales development management and leadership training company. So we focus on sales growth within the company, but we all know that change and, and nothing happens unless you start from the top down. So we focus a lot on the upper level management and leadership and really grow bottom line revenue. That's good. That's straight up ROI. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> All the good stuff. Yeah, that's the good stuff. So in terms of sales, then let's get right into it. Um, how do you measure success in sales for your clients? What are the success factors? That is a great question. So a lot of times what sales managers will do is they will track things such as activities and they will say, I want you to close, you know, three new businesses a week. And while that's great, that is not what's actually obtainable and sustainable. So what we do is we focus on behaviors. So we focus on not the end goal. We want to focus on the number of behaviors that it's going to take you to get to that end result. So instead of tracking numbers, we track what we call behaviors. And those are based around what we call a success triangle. And a success triangle is your behavior, your attitude, and your technique. So you can't get away from behavior and still be successful. You can't have a negative headspace and still expect to do the activities that make you successful. Um, and then you really have to have the technique in order to be able to sell and to be good at what you're doing. So all of those go hand in hand, but it really all starts with just doing the work that it takes. So whatever that looks like in your world, whether that's no one likes cold calling, but uh, you know, in sales and business development, you have to go out and you have to develop new business. And so a lot of that's going to be networking events, um, cold calling, cold canvassing, things like that. So we track all of the behaviors and that's what leads to that bottom line revenue and that success within a company is tracking what gets you to the end result. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So I think back to my cold calling days, <laughs> uh, which I, I don't do a whole lot of now, but I'm thinking back to the, the people that I worked with and some of them were quantity mm -hmm. and some of them were quality, right? Yeah. Um, so, so for you, do you, do you nuance those two things and say, okay, well, if somebody is, has got a, a high degree of technique and they're very effective, 
uh, maybe they should stay in that lane versus other people who just by sheer numbers and they play the numbers game are going to be successful. How, how do you approach that? So the only people that say they like cold calling are the people that don't have to do it, right? Nobody likes cold calling. <laughs> so there's going to be, if somebody's really good at just hustling, getting on the phone, making the dials, that's great. So whatever's working for you, keep doing it. Um, I just wrote an article for our local business journal and we said, is social selling getting rid of the classic cold call? Because what's happening right now is everybody is meeting. You have to meet your buyer where they're at. And everyone is actually looking online for things, right? They're doing their research online first. It's not like the old school way where you'll get in the phone book and you'll call somebody, you'll see a, you know, a list of some sort of service that you're looking for and you start going down the list. Um, you get online and you start looking for these things. Now, the classic cold call is never going to go away and uh, it's always going to be extremely effective. But that, again, goes back to your behavior, attitude and technique. If you say you were in sales and you had to make 100 dials a day and you made 100 dials a day, but you didn't get anybody on the phone, you didn't get past the gatekeeper, you didn't set the appointment. Well, you're doing the behavior, but you're not doing the technique right. So all of that still goes hand in hand. So what we do at Sandler is we teach a no pressure prospecting call because we don't want to sound like everybody else. That's the whole point. We tell our clients that if, if you're, whatever you're doing, your, your competition is doing it and you got to stop doing it right away. So nothing is worse. As you guys know, you get a, we get them all the time on our cell phones right now. We get cold calls. And the first thing that happens is they'll say, Hey, uh, you know, this is Casey with Sandler training and they go into their full sales pitch and we know that. And so what we teach are pattern interrupts and how to have a real conversation and making sure we're matching a need to a solution. So I was a little long winded on your answer, but yeah, cold, cold calling is not going anywhere. It's definitely very, very relevant. And I'm happy you don't have to do that many anymore. Uh, on that thread, maybe uh, pulling on a bit more, you know, you're talking about the focus on, um, you know, actual relationship building and, and, and being authentic. Um, talk to me, wh where's there for or room for empathy and compassion in terms of modern sales approaches? I mean, if you contrast, you know, good sales techniques now compared to, I don't know, let's say the mid 80s or the late 70s, where has empathy and compassion sort of wiggled in and, and, and how does it fit into an overall sales um, approach? It's huge. That is absolutely huge. Empathy and compassion. That's, that's how you get things done. It, it's not about, you know, back in the day you would say, Oh, sell me this pin. Right. And you, you, <laughs> if you've heard of that saying before, yeah. and, and a lot of times they'll say, that. Oh, well, give me this pin, this pin, you're going to want this pin because it's black and it works really, really good. And, and the ink never runs out. And so you're pushing the product, right? Well, that is not what we do. And that's not what gets things done. People buy on relationship. People buy on the relatability that you have with a, with a client. And it's again, matching that need to a solution. So if you're going in as that, I hate to say the pushy car salesman, right? What do we do when we go on a car lot? What's the first thing that we say when a car salesman comes up to us and they say, hey, can I help you find what you're looking for? What do we say? No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just looking, just looking, right? I'm just looking. Now, we know that we had better things to do with our time than to go on a car lot and just browse around because we had nothing else to do. So what happens there is it's just we we want to get away from a typical sales 
And if you are waiting to the end of the sale to close the deal, you have put way too much pressure, not only on yourself, but the prospect. And so when you relieve those walls and put down those defense gates, that is where you're able to build that bonding and rapport and really build those relationships. It's not the old school way where you can sell ice cubes to an Eskimo. Like that, that's just old school. You, you just don't do that anymore because Eskimos don't need ice cubes, right? We, we need to make sure that we're actually matching needs to a solution. So when you get on that car lot, the reason why we say we're just looking is because we put up our defense walls. We don't wanna be hackled and we don't wanna be followed around being pushed to buy something that we're just not ready to do yet. So. Again, in Sandler, we're really focusing on building rapport, having that compassion, having that empathy and saying, look, Dominic, if you don't need what I have and I can't help you, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that. So I'm going to put your defense walls down because I don't want to sell you something you don't need. That's not what I'm here for. So it's really bringing down those walls and building that bonding and rapport with somebody to know that I am here to see if what I'm selling, whether it's my product or service, if we can match a need to a solution, great. If we can't, not a big deal. We can leave this meeting. One or two things are going to happen. We're either going to find out I am a solution for you and we can figure out how we're going to work together or we're going to find out I'm not. And if that's the case, we had a great meeting and I have a new friend. Pressure's off. Lo- lo- love that mindset. Lo- love that approach. Um, one more quick question before I uh, send it back to Christian. Um, wh- where does like, content generation fit in you know, being able to lead to conversations? Uh, is that a prerequisite that helps to lead to more meaningful conversations? So when you're saying content, give me give me a little more. Uh, let's say like like having a presence on LinkedIn or social media and being able to you know generate content around maybe what you're selling and the, is that part of a modern sales technique or is that only something that you know a sales team or marketing team should do within a function, not necessarily a, like an SDR? You know, that's a good question too. I, I think. With the world we're living in today, being in front and having a good brand and a good presence is extremely important. Because again, when you talk about social selling, a lot of that stuff happens on LinkedIn. That happens on social media. And social selling is not me giving you an inbox and saying, hey, I do sales development management leadership training. So do you need what I have? Let's set a 15 minute conversation. That's spam. Right. That is not that's not social selling. We don't like spam. So social selling is really building that brand and content to say, hey, you know what? I noticed that you guys are really big into cybersecurity. I saw a uh, article that I think may be helpful. Love to connect with you. And now we're building that relationship. Right. It's a longer sell. It's more relationship building. But that's how you sell today. You don't sell based on a one-stop close. People are going to buy from people they like and they trust. And people like and trust people like them. So that's true. That's truth. So you've talked about the relationship building side of things. And I'm thinking about the other skills that are important to develop for salespeople. Um, Things like uh, listening and and engaging. Um, Can you talk about some of those important skills and why they are important? Yes, that I'm happy you brought that up because I get that a lot. I have people call me and they go, Casey, You know, I'm sitting in these virtual meetings now and I feel like I'm just pulling teeth. I feel like I'm talking the whole time. And I said, you know, if you feel like you're talking the whole time, it's probably because you are. And 
with with if, if, is excuse me if a salesperson is talking too much that means they're talking way more than their fair share and they're not listening to anything so i just did a post yesterday the day before and it says have you ever heard of a salesperson listening their way out of a sale no you haven't because it just doesn't work that way you can talk your way right out of a sale and i've seen a lot of people do that before um so the rule of thumb is 70 30. Your prospect has to be talking 70% of the time and you have to be talking 30. If I am talking too much and I'm not listening, that means I'm not asking the right questions. And if I'm not asking the right questions, that means I'm not presenting, presenting a solution to the correct needs because I don't even know what those real needs are. And that's where a lot of salespeople fall short is they just don't know what questions to ask. So there's a difference between you, you have a technical problem and a conceptual problem. A technical problem is when you're in a sales situation and you have no idea what to say or do. So you may give me some sort of question or, or you're asking me, hey, can you do this or can you do that? And I have no idea what to say. A conceptual problem is I know what to say, but I just don't do it. So what we do is we'll take people from a technical problem to a conceptual problem. Once you have a conceptual problem, now we need to know that it's repetition and practice and rehearsing so that it's muscle memory so that I know when Dominic says, Casey, how much does your training cost? My initial thought would be to answer him because he asked me a question and my childhood scripting as I'm younger, if I'm asked a question, answer it. But I know that I'm not gonna do that because it's way too early on in the conversation. And so instead of telling him how much training costs, I'm gonna say, Dominic, let's not put the cart before the horse. I have no idea if you even need what I sell here, right? So I'm going to reverse it and I'm going to ask him a question back because I, first of all, I have no idea why he asked me that, you know, it's too close up in the conversation, but that's the part of practicing and knowing the 70, 30, knowing when to uh, stop talking and just listen and knowing how to answer the right questions so that we're actually presenting a solution for the real need that the prospect has and not one that we just made up or thought was there. Very good, Casey. So a follow-up question to that. You mentioned uh, not knowing what questions to ask. And I think about some other hurdles that salespeople have to overcome. Um, fear of cold calling or fear of stepping out. Can you tell us what are the most common hurdles that salespeople face that you help them with? So when it comes to prospecting, that is one struggle that most people have. And time management comes into play. People say, I don't have enough time in the day. They get caught up with other things. A lot of times people will spend time chasing prospects, warm leads that are never going to buy from them, right? They just, they got happy ears. They said, oh man, Casey, this was great. I love what you have. Why don't you call me back next week? I say, sounds great. I call you back next week and you think you're waiting for my phone call? No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. So, how do you fix that one? <laughs> So usually if somebody is really excited about what you have, that's a red flag. We should, what, what we do as salespeople, we get happier. So we go, oh yeah, we go back to our office and we tell our manager, hey, I think I got one is really good. They're really excited. They said call next week. Okay, so what are clear next steps, right? We have to have clear next steps. And that's where we have upfront agreements as to what's gonna happen next. And if we don't have clear next steps, that's a big problem. And a lot of times we don't have that. So. If I, if let's that same example, Dominic says, Casey, I love it. Why don't you call me next week? I said, okay, Dominic sounds good. What's going to happen between now and next week. That's going to, that's going to make any difference. He says, well, I just need time to think about it. Okay. Well, is there any, do you have any questions right now that I can help you with? No, I just need some time. 
Okay. It sounds like it's just a nice way of telling me that you're just really not that mm-hmm. interested. Is, is that a fair statement? Right? So a Sandler rule we have is if you feel it, say it gently. Because if he's telling me to call next week and he's really that excited, there's a reason why he's doing that. There's a reason why he's putting us off. And a lot of times people just don't like to tell you no, right? Think, yes. think about us as a buyer, right? We're all buyers too. And instead of telling somebody no, we'll say, oh yeah, call me back. And then we are, avoid them like the plague because we don't want to have to tell them no. So of course there's technique and skill set all around those things that happen so many times with salespeople, far too often. This is an awesome this is an awesome mini masterclass. I mean, this is <laughs> absolute gold here, <laughs> Casey. This is absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I have more. one more quick question, and uh, Christian can uh, uh, bring it home. Maybe just to extend a bit more in terms of the concept of ghosting. You know, I think we were talking about, you know, people, people will be avoiding you. What other techniques can salespeople use to minimize the likelihood of them being ghosted during the sales cycle? Ghosting is something that salespeople deal with constantly. Uh, When I do complimentary trainings, I always have somebody, I say, okay, who has somebody in stage two, which means who has a proposal out right now? And everybody raises their hand. And I said, okay, then people will say, I got 20 to 30 proposals out. Well, chances are they may get one or two of those back. Okay, and that's because they presented a solution way too early on in the sales process. So what we teach is to stay away from a typical buyer seller dance. So a buyer seller dance is going to say, I'm going to ask you some open ended questions, Dominic. You're going to say, "Um, Casey, this looks great. Why don't you give me a proposal? And so I give you all of my information. Now, once I give you all of my information, I have now lost 100% control of my process. <laughs> because what do you need me for now? I've just given you all the information. So now what you're going to do is you're going to shop me around or you're yes. going to go back to who you're currently with to get a better rate because you've, I've already given you all my information. So when I give you all of my information too quick, that's a problem for me and I've lost control. So what we do in Sandler is stage two for most people, proposal step. That is our step six. So we qualify, qualify, qualify all the way through. So I'm going to make sure you have a pain that I can solve. That's the first thing I'm going to do. Then I'm going to make sure that I can qualify you in a budget step. So can you can you afford this? Do you have enough money to match my uh, solution? And then I'm going to figure out, is there a decision process in which I'm willing to participate in? I'm going to qualify you there. So pain, budget, and decision. If I can't qualify you in those three steps, you are never getting a proposal from me. Now, once I qualify you in those three steps, now I'm going to present a solution. But before I do that, I'm going to say, Dominic, based on what we talked about, you had mentioned that you know you are doing a lot of prospecting, but you're not winning um, enough of the business. Okay, that's a big problem for you. I understand that this is how much it's costing you a year. So we kind of got the budget around that. And I understand that you're the sole decision maker. Is all that fair? Yes, it is. I say, okay, well, if I come up, if let's meet next Tuesday, if I'm able to present a solution that fixes your pain, is within your budget, and is in a time frame that I can deliver it by that you agree with, who's to prevent us from moving forward? Is there any reason why you wouldn't go forward? And you'd say, well, if, I mean, if you can match everything that we just talked about, there's no reason why we wouldn't move forward. What I just did is another Sandler rule. The best presentation you'll ever see is one, the best presentation you'll ever give is one the prospect never sees. So what I just did is I just sold you on a product and I haven't even presented anything to you yet. That's how you prevent ghosting. Because that's why they're buying, right? That's the reason behind it. That's right. 
So I have not even given you all of my information because I know, right? What did I say? As soon as I give you my information, who has all control? They do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Definitely reflects yeah. conversations and situations that I've <laughs> I've seen. <laughs> it happens. Definitely. So my my I've got two more questions. Um, the first one is in terms of the pandemic and selling remotely versus, you know, the the in-person contact that we were used to leading into this uh, weird time in history. Um, talk, can you talk about what is unique to selling uh, more remotely? Sure. Season? So remote selling has always been around uh, and it has been around with the large corporations and companies and it was inevitable. It was always going to be there. The pandemic just sharpshooted us right into that timeline. So it uh, made us gravitate a lot quicker. We were, you know, we were always going to move there, but now everything's gone virtual. A lot of people are going back face to face. However, virtual is not going anywhere. We are always going to see virtual training, virtual selling. And so what I've noticed is when this happened and people went from face to face to virtual, two things happened. There are people that adapted quickly and early on, which was great. And there are people that didn't, and they were waiting for things to go back to normal, which we all know that's not going to happen anymore. So the difference between selling face-to-face -face and selling virtual is your sales process should never change. Not The selling situation doesn't change, just the dynamics have. So I am no longer sitting across from you and on a table. I'm sitting across from you in a Zoom. So a lot of times people say, well, they don't want to Zoom. I'm just going to pick them up on the phone. Would you prefer a phone call? And of course, the prospect's going to say, yes, why don't you give me a call? Bad, 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 bad. Because what happens, our communication styles, when, when you talk about a communication pie, 55% of the way you and I communicate is between body language. So when you pick up the phone, body language goes to zero, 88% becomes your tonality and 12% becomes the words that you say. So it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So unless you guys are really good like you and everyone's really good with voice and, you know, audio and can you know, have really good fluctuations in their voice, you're going to suck when it comes to phone selling. So you have to get on a Zoom because that body language has to be there. You have to see me being Portuguese talking with my hands, right? That's, <laughs> that's the feel. That's how that happens. So um, the dynamics are the only thing that changes. Your sales process should always be the same. That should never change. You got to use visuals, um, but it's highly effective. Awesome. Here's my last question for you, Casey. Can you sell me this pen? <laughs> How do you know I need one? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> On that brilliant note, Casey, absolutely love your amazing energy and wisdom. I mean, that has been an absolutely golden episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. That was so quick and easy. And I know I just talked your ear off. I was the 70% this time and you guys were the 30. So <laughs> that's different for me. But thank you so we much for having me. We were asking the questions. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, you guys. so much. I, I know our listeners and viewers are going to absolutely love this episode. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Awesome. Christian and I will be back momentarily to wrap up today's episode. Well, that was surprisingly high energy. I, her, her, her energy and passion for sales definitely shone through in that conversation. Absolutely. And, uh, Sell me this pen brought me back to a different time, a different era a few decades ago. I lived through that and I got the job as a result of whatever I said. 
uh, at that time in the interview. So every time I hear hear that, I think of Wolf of Wall Street. So, <laughs> but uh, for for me, like I said, it was just Casey uh, laid out such great tangible advice for for um, people in terms of sales, and we can all stand to be better at at, at sales. Um, ourselves included. So I, I know I'm uh, taking a couple notes from that, <laughs> adopting that in our sales process moving forward. Yeah. Listen 70% of the time and talk 30%. That's a good rule. Absolutely. For life and for sales yeah, and for podcasts. <laughs> and on that note, uh, I want to thank Casey for joining us today. And as always, I want to thank our loyal listeners and viewers for taking time of their busy week to join us as well. Uh, please be sure to subscribe to the Cybersecurity Matters podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and or on our YouTube channel. And if you feel so inclined, leave a positive review, smiley face, frowny face, whatever you want. Uh, any attention would be much appreciated. But until next time, be well and be safe. And we'll see you again on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast.